In this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast, I am joined by spiritual consultant, pastor, and author Remy Diedrich to discuss the 10 biggest reasons why people don't leave their spiritually abusive churches, as well as how to navigate a spiritual community or church that promotes toxic faith. The conversation in this episode is inspired by the topics and themes of my book, A Jumble of Crumpled Papers. If you enjoyed today's conversation and haven't read the book, the link to pick it up is in the description below. If you're a first-time listener, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to our intro episode, episode zero, to get brought up to speed on what this podcast is all about. But without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Crumpled Papers podcast. My name is Austin Knoll, and on today's episode, I am joined by a very special guest. I am joined by Remy Diedrich, who is a couple things. You are a pastor, you're a spiritual consultant, you are a coach, a pastoral coach, an individual coach, you are an author, which is why you're on today. You've written several different books, mostly in the realm of helping both the individual and churches at an organizational level deal with problems. I would say heavily spiritual abuse issues and the different obstacles that come out of that. So Remy, before I go any further, I just want to say, welcome on. How are you doing? Hey, good to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So, Remy, you're on today primarily regarding one of your books that I finished reading recently, which is called Broken Trust, which is a practical guide to identify and recover from toxic faith, toxic church, and spiritual abuse. And your name, the last several months, has come up several times for me because being in the, in the, in the same kind of, kind of general circle online with the spiritual abuse and deconstruction stuff. I've seen that book pop up several times and I didn't get in contact with you. Yeah, that is good. It didn't come in contact with you until I came across an article online, which was, I think, an adaptation from a chapter of the book, which was the 10 reasons why people stay in abusive churches. And I read through it and it resonated so deeply with me and it was so prevalent. And that's what I kind of based the desire to have this conversation on is that central idea of these 10 reasons, the main reasons that people may acknowledge or discern that they're in an abusive environment with toxic faith, but not are not able to leave it behind completely. So I'm excited to talk to you about that all. But before we get into any of that, I want to ask a question that I ask all my guests, which is to start off why don't you give us a general overview of yourself and your background, particularly in regards to your church and faith journey? Okay. Uh, well, I've been around for a while, so I'll, I'll make it a real thumbnail sketch. I grew up Catholic. Sure. Okay. I came to uh, True Faith in college. I got involved in a charismatic church, which was good. Yeah. I think it was a good experience. Uh, there was some crazy stuff there, but it, overall, it was it was good for me. There was some infidelity in the pastors, so that church mm-hmm. fell apart. I went to be a part of a small church where initially it was good, but the pastor became very controlling. That's where I would, some of my spiritual abuse experiences came from. Yeah. Uh, I gave up on church in general. I went to live in a small community with these two other families. Uh, financially, that failed, and there was also a very controlling individual in that group. So on a personal level, I experienced some toxicity and some abuse there. I finally came back into the church, and then I found myself uh, being invited to be a pastor. Uh, I had been a pastor part-time before, then I went to seminary and was asked to be a pastor at a church, and 
after I was a part of that church for a while, uh, I just, I, I was also working as a consultant at a spiritual, um, an addiction treatment center. Hmm. And I really got to see broken people there. And it got me asking, you know, how is the gospel good news to these broken people? Because sometimes in church, I don't know, the, the good news isn't, doesn't always come across as good news. It comes across yeah. as rules. And so being a, being a part of the uh, addiction treatment place really uh, got me thinking about grace and h- how to deliver the Bible, you know, the biblical gospel message in a way that became good news. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if there could be a church like that? And so I started a church like that 20 years ago. Hmm. And I led that church. Uh, it grew quite, quite well. And then I just left that church a few years ago now and um, just in retirement. And so now I'm consulting and uh, coaching and doing all that. Yeah. Wow. And it's, it's interesting because having read broken trust, it's very clear from very early on that I, and most of these books are that the person talking about spiritual abuse has endured it themselves. They've gone through it. And I really appreciate in it the, the sensitivities that you have when approaching the various aspects of spiritual abuse, that makes it very clear that, oh, this person went through it several times and, and, and has gone through not just spiritual abuse, but the, um, maybe the cycle of going to, into a church with high hopes, different things not working for various reasons, and then having to move on from that. And you grow muscles, sometimes not in the best circumstances, but you grow muscles as you go through that cycle. And it can be damaging if not treated the right way and gone through the right way. So that seems to be a main through line of why you wrote it to help people through that process so that they can at some point heal themselves and not turn away from the good aspects that they might be compromising when they decide to throw it all away because they were hurt by it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I I was very careful in writing the book to not trigger people. Yeah. (laughs) I've I've had people tell me just because I'm a pastor that triggers them. I mean, I don't like, I don't know if I can read a book. I don't know if I can read a book from a pastor if all of my bad experiences, which I I get that. Hmm. And so knowing that sensitivity and the fact that uh, I could trigger people, I really bent over backwards to write it in a way that was very grace filled and that people would hear that, Hey, I get you. I, I know, yeah. I know why you feel the way you feel. And so let me speak to that. So if you look through the reviews, there's a number of reviews and a lot of them uh, note that they say, wow, yeah. he wrote it with a lot of compassion and uh, they appreciate that. That's really cool. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Like cause for me, if I was, let's say talking to you or reading this book, maybe two years ago, Knowing that you were a pastor would be a sensitivity of mine, which is interesting to think about. So the way you wrote it was really good because it didn't come from a place of, I think the trigger in that could often be this person already has a, a focused direction he's trying to pull me towards, or right. he's talking down at me from a teacher's perspective, right? Let me tell you how to respond to this abuse that you think you've had, yeah. right? That's what people might fear. Right, exactly, exactly. And tell you what you should think about it and how you should think about it mostly for the, the agenda sometimes of getting them back to church. Right. And your goal is to help them heal in a place where they're accepting of it, but it's not, the goal isn't not, oh, come on, back to church. It's let's heal you so that the good things that church has to offer you, you don't neglect in yourself and don't miss out on because there's good yeah. stuff here, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd love, I would love it if people could find healing and they could find their place in the church again in, in a healthy way. 
but yeah. I also recognize that for some people that's just not going to happen. And that's, you know, that's right. okay. That's, that's, that's their journey. Right. And the number one priority is healing from what's been broken, healing from the right. things that have been lost. And then your decision is yours to make, but at least you know that you're healed. So you have more of a, an objective approach to what is best for you, whatever that that's decision right. is. That's great. That's I right. love that. Okay. So let's talk about broken trust. It came out couple, several years ago, maybe 2017, I think. Is that true? 2017? Okay. I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. And the main idea is toxic faith. How would you define toxic faith? And what are a few of its signs and symptoms? I, I think in general, toxic faith is when people have a warped view of God that's based primarily on performing or performance. You know, there's yeah. a set of rules and expectations that are imposed upon people. And as a result of those rules and expectations, there's also a sense of impending judgment and condemnation if you don't live up to those things. So it just creates, that's why it's so toxic. There's just, mm. it just feels yucky to be in a culture where that there's this sense, high sense of expectation. And if you don't live up, boy, you're going to hear about it in some way. So it's a very shaming environment as well. And sometimes that shaming is overt. I mean, you can be called out. You can be scolded. Someone just told me this week that I was coaching how they, they were scolded from the pulpit, which I just can't fathom that. Yeah. And it, or it can be very covert, you know, where you just get the roll of the eyes or you don't get invited to parties anymore. Or you don't get invited to be involved in certain things at church because, you know, you're being shunned in, in a very subtle way. Yeah, that's from my experience, shame is such a big aspect of all of that. I think that is, which I've talked about before on this podcast, is such a centerfold for the, I, I called it, it's a shame is the currency of a spiritually abusive ecosystem. It's what it revolves around. And toxic faith, going off your definition, it really uses that to control or to keep things in a certain line, which ends up hurting a lot of people that don't fall into that all the time. Yeah, I would say either either it takes advantage of the shame that people bring to the table, you know, yeah. it, it seizes that opportunity or it, you know, if you come in healthy, it can create shame in you. It can right. make you start doubting yourself and go, wait, wait a minute. I, I when I came to this church, I thought everything is okay, but my, now they're saying these things and maybe I'm not who I thought I was. You know, it's that that whole idea of gaslighting that make you right. know fills you with self-doubt. Right. Okay. So the central theme of this episode, which was based off of one of your chapters in that blog post I read, was right. the 10 reasons why people stay and don't leave abusive churches. And I want to, if you would be willing, to go through them one at a time and kind of divulge a little deeper and discuss them. Um, because reading through all 10 of them, it's, it's crazy how I myself have experienced most of them I've, I've now since left my abusive church but mm -hmm. i've experienced with so many of them and so many people i know either in my church or not that i've talked to have experienced one or if not all of these and i think it's really important to go through these for people who whether you're listening and are aware of some of your obstacles or you haven't yet discerned them this is a great time to go through these to offer that to you if you may be experience these and not know. So with that, let's start from number one. The number one reason, or just the first reason, I don't know if they're in any order, but the first one is that 
you don't want to be accused of being rebellious or accused of questioning God, which is a huge one. What do you have to say about that one? Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of follows up in what I said about if you bring shame to the table, uh, that's a, a, a great way to take a, a advantage of a shame-based person is to threaten them uh, by calling them rebellious. And like, if you do this, if you leave, you know, you're, you're just showing your rebellion against God. So it's a great way to crack the whip and get someone back in line. Yeah, I think um, there are there's a common dynamic with a lot of leaders in spiritual abusive environments that take on the role of the interpreter of God directly. So if you're questioning leadership, you are questioning God. So if you're going against what leadership's saying, you're inherently going against what God's saying, and that's a huge hammer to, to lay down on somebody because it's in many ways kind of unquestionable if you don't know any better. Right, Yeah. Second reason why a person stays in a spiritually abusive church is that they are full of self-doubt. What do you have to say on that one? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, a lot of people come into a church when they don't know necessarily that much about God. Maybe they're just brand new to faith. Yeah. And so they're wide open. And then they see some things they don't like. But because they're new to the faith, they go, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's me. Maybe maybe if I was more mature Christian, maybe if I knew the Bible better, you know, uh, I would see what they're saying. And so maybe I should stick around until I see what they seem to seem to see so clearly. So it's yeah. just that whole, whole idea of doubting yourself and not being confident in your faith or what you see is wrong. I mean, it seems like yeah. it's wrong. It seems like this is an abusive situation, but I don't know, maybe this is normal. Yeah. You said right there, I think the, the opposite of doubt is, or maybe it's the opposite of doubt. I think it's, it's pretty contrary is confidence. And a church that is very confident in the way it presents itself and the things it says can cause any person who is less confident than them to doubt themselves in terms of if their views contrast what the confident ones are saying. Right. Yeah. And especially you're talking, you're dealing with a pastor. Uh, they're older. Most likely they're older than you. Most likely they've had some kind of education. You know, they right. have the 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 documentation to back up why they're right and right. you're standing there saying well i don't know i just became a christian last year i who, who, what do i know right it's in many ways it's the student contending with the teacher at, at a, in a college or something it's it's sure. whether you're right or wrong it's a hard battle to fight because just inherently you're at a place that feels inferior and right that crosses many different kinds of categories whatever but church especially Right. Number three is you don't want to lose. Your, this is a huge one. You don't want to lose your equity investment. And this one, you're not just talking about money. Go ahead. What do you have to say about this one? Oh, yeah, that is huge. But equity investment makes you think about uh, maybe your investment in a, in a home. You know, the, yeah. the longer you're in a home, the more payments that you've made. So you're, you have a greater investment and the more money you put into it, it's more like, oh, I put so much money into this. I don't know if I want to sell it. I don't know if I want to get rid of it now, you know, when maybe this isn't the right time in the market. And we can do the same right. thing in re relationships, or in this case, a church. If you've been in a church for a long time, uh, you've sacrificed, you've given them, let's say you've given them a ton of money. Yeah. You're, you're invested in many different groups. I mean, you've just, you've told people about the church. You've told people how wonderful the church is. I mean, you're invested in many different ways. And then the thought of leaving that, it's like, oh, I, I don't know. It's, 
see, then, then what are you saying about what you did? It's like, right. you're admitting that that was a waste of time. So you go, you say, well, I think I'll just stick it out. I'm just, you know, I've put 10, 20 years into this. I mean, I, I just, I was coaching someone the other day and they had been in a church for 40 years and they had literally built the church. They, this guy was a contractor and he had literally built oh, their literally church. literally built it. <laughs> so wow. his equity investment was, was huge. Yeah. And now after 40 years, he, uh, the, the, the leadership had become abusive and he felt like he needed to leave, but it was super hard for him to make that decision. That's such a prevalent one because I mean, there's two, I have two thoughts on this. One is what you kind of mentioned on the blog post, I think is when you're there for years, it can feel like wasted time, right? When you go out, it's like, I spent all this time here and whether you've learned stuff or not, which everyone I'm sure at that point has learned something at least, right? If not many things that are good things, you feel like after all this time, I'm now, it feels like I'm starting over which is may not may or not may not be true but that time is wasted now you're left with whether it's the friendships you've built or the um the uh position you've gotten to if you're on on a staff board or whatever sure and another thought i had was for example in my church very heavy emphasis on evangelization and getting people to come well that's many churches right is bringing more people in yeah. which you sure. mentioned if you have after let's say 20 years you have all these yeah. people who are like very well-established members in this church that are there because of you. If mm-hmm. you leave, you must have a weight that you may feel for their security in that church. Because if you're leaving, and it didn't work out for you. Then what do you, it's, it could be a guilt. It could be a weight of you brought them in and now you're not going to be there. Or it could be, yeah. what is this going to tell them about their faith now? I don't want them to question their stuff because I'm not, this isn't working for me here. Right. It's, it's yeah. really heavy. It's a lot to deal with. Yeah. And a part of that, it's, it's, it's another one of the 10 is that you fear losing your circle of friends and family. That's the one we're going to right now. Yep. Go ahead. And that's, that's part of the equity investment is Mm -hmm. your friend. Well, my friends and family are there, you know, we do all these things together every Sunday after church, we always go out to a restaurant together. Uh, Again, this, this, um, this couple that I was speaking with the other day, the guy who built the church and uh, yeah, they have two, um, two sets of grown children in that church as well. And it gets very sticky. Like when you pull out and they decide to stay, it gets very awkward. Oh, absolutely. Cause it, it, it's no longer a, that synonymous mode of, Oh, this is our schedule. This is what we do. We're part of the same organization, same, whatever. It's, it's one of those awkward family dinner topics now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But okay. Social circle is so big. So my whole story is, I mean, I grew up as a church kid. That is my main friend base. School, sure, but when you're brought up in church, sure, like those, you're taught that those are your soul friends, the ones that are going to stick around, and it's it's not always it's pretty true a lot of the time. And those were the friends that I felt called and pushed to emphasize my investment in because those are the ones that matter more and they're deeper. Mm-hmm. And leaving that is so hard because one, what you're leaving behind, but also what is waiting you outside the walls of the church you're leaving is the investment that I spent in my friends were mainly friends within that church. And I leave that. And I, I say this in my book, I say the real friends, the ones who weren't just there because you were at the same church will stick with you. And that is mm-hmm. true in many cases, but it's hard because even the ones that don't, they matter and having to leave those behind and have to risk. I might not see that person very much anymore at all is, yeah. is a lot, you know, and loneliness is such a big topic too outside once you leave. 
Well, yeah. I mean, many people, after you've been in the church for a while, that that's all you know is your friends right. are completely in that church. So if you leave, you're on your own. Yeah. And some people just go, hey, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll put up with, you know, I'm just going to duck and cover from the abuse just so I can stay a part of this community because I don't want to lose my friends. Yeah. I've had just in the last, I'd say maybe three or four weeks, I've had a handful of conversations with people, mostly young people, but, but also a couple of people that are, that are older adults as well, who are discussing that they're still in a church, that they're probably not going to last in very much longer. I've had several in, in the last, it's so funny that you've mentioned that because, and the biggest point they bring up is, man, but I don't, I don't want to leave my friends. I don't know what yeah. I'm going to do because that's, that's my entire social circle, which is a huge thing not to be overlooked. That's such a big thing because yeah. with your circle of, not just friends, but with your, with your social circle comes a lot of your identity and how you see yourself and how you perceive and present yourself. And because it's people that you're known with, right? You're known in that circle. And that's a huge thing. Huge, huge, huge. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that is number five. Now the reasons why people stay in abusive churches is this is an interesting one. You like to be liked and needed. What do you have to say on that? Well, that goes back to that sense that, you know, if you're a person that, that suffers from low self-worth, yeah. uh, you're going to want to jump on some hamster wheel to yeah. to perform for, for other people. And in a church that's toxic, you know, that that's like I said before, that's looking, has a lot of expectations and a lot of rules. It's like, hey, you know, that maybe this is a place where I can get patted on the back if I work really hard. So I'm going to work right. really hard at being accepted with these people. And if you leave that, then that's, that's, your af that's your source of affirmation. So if that's your source of affirmation and you leave it, what, what are you going to do? Right. So maybe it's, better, maybe it's just better to stay and keep working hard and, and get the pats on the back. Right. You feel, I mean, you mentioned this, I think, also in either in the chapter or in the blog post. I forget which one, maybe both. But legalistic spiritual environments or any environment can be very rewarding if you play it right. That's the point. Sure. The point is if you follow the rules, right. things will go well for you, whether spiritually yeah. or, or humanistically, right? I grew up in a church that was very legalistic and also, they, and which is a lot of churches too, there's a heavy emphasis on, oh, we're the ones that are going to change the world. We're going to ones that are going to bring the Jesus to the world and we're the ones that are going to champion this. So every person feels like an important player because you're part of an army and you're, you're, you're very imbued with importance that you play a vital role in this and it feels good because right. you're doing it you're, you're you're fighting a a quote-unquote good cause on paper it's a good cause mm -hmm. not always how it's played out but it's a good cause is showing yeah. people god right and right. when you leave that it's funny because in reality nothing changed you're still just important in that to god and in what his mission actually is to use you it's still just the same but your value in that but you're not told every every sunday or every friday night or every wednesday that oh right go to this guy, send, send a guest to that guy. He knows what to do. You need to go in, on missions. You need to go set the world on fire for Jesus. And you're able to do that. I mean, I had, it's funny because like, even when my parents and I were leaving our church, I left before they did. And they left a couple months after when they mm. were in their final kind of talks with leadership about wanting to step out, they weren't on leadership, but they were, they were around for a long time. And one of the, one of the last, I'll say, tactics the main 
leaders used to try to get my parents to stay was they offered him a job on staff. Oh, really? After all the stuff, their last thing was, oh, how about you just join staff? And it's, that's a very interesting play because it's, they also, I think they genuinely did see the value in these two people who have been there for a long time, but they use sure. it almost as a, you feel important here. Let's solidify that. So you don't feel like you want to leave and, and not be that person you could be here. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Number six, you fear being wrong. Oh, this is a big one too. They're all pretty big, but you fear being yeah. wrong and losing your salvation. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, this taps into the previous one where I said, you know, you're filled with self-doubt, but yeah, the, the real kicker here is that the threat of losing your salvation. Yeah. And again, that has to do with the expectations and the rules and uh, achieving, performing, you know, that you've, you've got to do this. You've got to be a part of this church. You have to, you know, be a part of our programs. You have to, you have to, you have to. And if you're not, if you, if, if you don't, you're going to lose your salvation. I mean, one of the, yeah. the things I talk about in the book, my experience is that the pastor, now this is really, this is more than toxic. This is abusive, but he, yeah. he had a, a vision or yeah, a vision. I think he said, and uh, it was where a, a storm hit the church. And if you left the church, bad things were going to happen to you. And that's, oh. Man. That is so common that yeah. that pastors will frame, you know, leaving the church that something bad is going to happen to you. But you know, again, because they're the authority and they have the power, and many people just don't have the, the maturity in the faith. They they believe that. At least they believe it enough to make them doubt themselves and want to stay. Like just I'll, enough, even. Just enough. Just enough. Yeah. Yeah. And and that goes into a whole thing too. I have a lot of thoughts on each of these. It's when a church claims that they are the ultimate one-way path to God, when they are, other churches may preach it, but we have it right. This is the purest, most direct route to being in God's good graces. If you, even if you're in a church and you see all the abuse and the wrong things happening, if that's been preached at you for as long as you've been there and you don't, you haven't gotten around to fully acknowledging that it's not true, even just a little mm -hmm. bit, that doubt of, well, I could leave. And I see all this stuff's wrong, but what if that's true? I still, I know people who I've talked to recently, last year or so, who have left a church that proclaimed that they were the one way or the truest way to God, mm -hmm. and they 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 left. So they they've seen everything that's wrong, but there's still that part of them that expresses, right. man, we had it right though. So it's that <laughs> seed, and it's really yeah. interesting. Because every church has stuff that you right and wrong. So there's always truth to that, but not to that extent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the seventh reason is that they fear exposure, humiliation, or even harm for leaving. This is a big one too. They're all big. I'm going to stop saying they're big because they're all really big. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but go and ahead. There's probably, there's probably more than 10. I'd, you know, I'd love to hear yeah. back from people, the other ones that they can think of. But these are the, like yeah. you said, these are the big ones. And I, I thought of one that I'll bring up at the end too, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I thought of one too this morning. Oh, good. Um, but what I was thinking of was um, most people have in a toxic, you know, abusive church, they've seen other people shamed. Like I said, yeah. you know, called up from the pulpit. Uh, people have been told not to associate with them and stuff like that. Yep. And so you've seen that and you go, I don't, I can't handle that. If that happens to me, it'll destroy me. So yeah. If I just have to sit here and sit in the back row and be quiet, I think that's what I have to do. Or worse yet, I mean, I've heard some situations where people are afraid of, of uh, you know, physical harm. 
that, that people yeah. will, will be so incensed at their leaving that maybe not the leadership, but the leadership might in, incite other people to come after them and hurt them in some way. That's, that's just crazy. But, and that hasn't happened in my experience, but I know that it does, which is wild. Yeah. Well, we see it politically. We see it politically when people like the leaders don't do anything bad, but they incent they uh, incense their followers enough that the followers will go out and hurt people who are not in alignment with them. So it's it's yeah. just a it's a human thing. Exactly, and and they're they are I don't know I want to use brainwashed, but kind of to believe it's it's for the cause, right? They're doing the yeah, right thing, right, exactly. which is which is, yeah. is so twisted. But they're exacting God's judgment. Yeah, that that's what they're doing, and they're we have no right to do at all, but they've been, you know, taught to believe that it's okay. Um, but the yeah. exposure and humiliation in my church and, and the whole, it's a big organization and they have sister churches too. They're slightly different names, but in these churches, especially in the nineties, two thousands, but still today, um, when someone leaves, especially someone who is well-known or on leadership or high in esteem, they will be what we call being marked, which a formal letter with like a seal looks very presidential almost is sent mm. out to, I think all the leaders, the different churches and ministries around the country or the world saying this person has left. They are now marked. They'll write that don't uh, associate with them. Don't talk to them, block them on Facebook. Don't text them. And they are out forever, not to be associated with at all. And that is wild, very cultish, but so damaging to somebody who, if you are not completely rock solid in your identity and who you know yourself to be, that can mm -hmm. take you out. Even, even so, it can really take a dent into just how you see yourself. You know what I mean? That's huge. It's so damaging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Number eight is, this is a good one too. Being a church kid, this is a huge one. You fear not making it on your own. Yeah. Well, as we've already said, I mean, if you're, if the church community is your community, and especially if the if the pastors have been very directive in your life, like telling yeah. you what to do, you know, where you should work, who you can date, who you can marry, you know, on and on and on. When you can go on vacation, uh, you've kind of yielded your your thought life over to these other people. So you yeah. go, I don't know if I can make it on my own. You know, I, I don't like what's going on at church, but I also don't like being alone and not having a community and not having anyone telling me what to do because they've, they've pretty much told me what to do for the last 10 years. Yeah. Like in a, even in the legalistic system, it may not be healthy, but at least it's safe. Meaning you feel like, Oh, you're told on a daily basis what to do in order to be in the right standing. So at least I'm being told what to do. So I know what to do. Would I know yeah. if I have to leave this? Um, that's a huge thing from a, from a younger perspective, a church kid, it's really seen when you go to college. Because it's the first time, really, that oh, these people that have been in this church for eighteen years are now going to the into the into the world, wherever they're going to college, yeah. right? And we're losing mm -hmm. a bit of rain on them. And it was indirectly, but also sometimes very directly told to us, like it's it's such a an emphasis on getting us locked in to a campus ministry or a or a a branch of our church nearby the college that we're going to, because sure they don't know that we're going to do well on our own. It's so funny because I mean. If you back to telling us, oh, we're the truest way to God. If you're in, if you're teaching us for 18 years, all that stuff that you believe is completely right. It's funny how all of a sudden you have no faith in us to be able to do this now. It's really funny. It's ironic, but um, yeah. 
but that that's so huge is that fear of it's a a codependence too it's a big thing yeah. of being told Slow. without us to hold on to you're not going to last because we're the anchor for you which is just not true right. and it shouldn't be yeah. true um number 9 the number ninth reason is that you lack this goes into many of these that we've talked about before it kind of ties it all together is you lack boundaries right yeah so if you don't if you don't have the ability to say no yeah uh you're going to be saying yes a lot and so it's right. a very dangerous it's a very dangerous community a culture to walk into if you don't have boundaries and in a situation where people want to do exactly that they want to tell you what to do they want to tell you yeah. to show up all the time they want to tell you to give all your money uh they'll, they'll they'll tell you to do just about anything and if you if you keep saying yes they'll keep asking for more yeah. so when you think about leaving they all they have to do is say well no and then then they can can use some of the threats like being rebellious or you're going to lose your salvation it's like oh you're yeah. right i sorry that i even mentioned that and so yeah because you have no boundaries you're just gonna do whatever they want you to to do yeah and those boundaries i mean it's a big uh a big idea here is, is authority right when you believe that a leader or someone else in that church has the authority and the final say in the things you're doing and, and you're told even that's good boundaries these are good boundaries you a lot of times spiritual abusive churches will tell you a lot of times what bad boundaries are but oftentimes they don't touch the circle of the actual boundaries that are hurting you in the present tense with that dynamic. Sure. Which is very interesting to me, but yeah, that's so true. And then I keep saying they're big things, but this one is a really prevalent one Mm -hmm. is you don't leave a spiritually abusive church because you believe that God met you in that church, which is many times true. I believe. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about it. And that's what makes it so seductive that yeah, for some reason, you know, God is gracious and God will show up in the craziest places. And so even in an abusive church, there can be times when God really meets you yeah. and you go. And and so that that kind of christens the, the ministry. Then it's like, oh, if God met me here. Yeah. Then God must. God must be in this and I would be a fool to leave this ministry. So even though there's things here that I don't like, even though there's things that I think might be wrong, yeah. I think this is still where God is. And if I leave, I'm going to really regret it. So that this is a, like you said, this is a huge one because it's so, so compelling because you yeah. know, in at least your own mind, you really believe that God met you in a powerful way. Yeah. Because I think for, for, most, if not all of these different reasons, one of the biggest elements in the dynamic of trying to figure out whether to stay or leave is oftentimes your dynamic with God. And it's what, and sometimes you're hurt, you're in a place where you're not thinking about the God stuff because it's too much for you to deal with, except for the, 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 the abuse you're witnessing. But mm-hmm. oftentimes when it's to leave or stay in the church, another element is, man, where, do I believe this is where God wants me to be? Do I believe this is even where God is? is is right um that's a big thing too is people oftentimes say well is god even in that church i don't think i was in that church i think that's the hard thing too is because i i believe no god is in every church he's everywhere that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that we're listening to him or we're following him he could be ignored in many places he is ignored in many places but he's there which makes it hard because if someone is in an abusive church but authentically seeking god 
they will find him in that church, but not because the church is doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have, I'm curious too, what was the, the additional one that you thought of reasons people stay in abusive churches? Well, I was just thinking about these 10 things this morning and I was thinking how they were all from the, the individual's perspective. And I thought mm-hmm. maybe the most obvious one is just because the pastor tells you, you tells you to stay, you know, that's just, true. Yeah. I mean, and that's related to, you know, like not having boundaries or self-doubt and stuff like that, but it's, yeah. it's just more direct that the pastor just says, no, you, you shouldn't go. I want you to stay. And you go, okay. <laughs> you know? And, and being liked and needed too, it could be, please stay. We need you even. And right. it's, oh, oh yeah. That's... You need me here. Okay. Like it's right. being beautiful. You might feel worthless. It's no, you have worth here. We need you. And that may sometimes right. if different priorities are not quite, I'm not blaming the person, but if someone says, oh, we need you here, you're worth something that can almost supersede the, the, the discernment of the wrongs going on for at least for a little while. If you, oh, yeah. okay, I need to be here. Maybe I can, and this kind of goes into also a little bit, the idea I had, which my 11th reason or 12th now is um, something that I've dealt with personally, my parents dealt with personally, many people in my church have dealt with. And it's sometimes, this comes after, after they've acknowledged the abuse, seen they need to leave and it's not a healthy place to stay. It's they don't leave because they want to try and help bring change. And you mentioned that in your book. You talk about this a little bit. Is, yeah. is, and oftentimes, this isn't a permanent solution to want to leave. Eventually, I think you will. But for a long, people, can, people end up staying a lot longer than they would have, months, years, because they believe that they need to stay and help change the things that are wrong, which in some cases, I'm like, that's absolutely what God wants you to do. In some places, that's what you're needed to be done. But yeah, it's a hard dynamic. And it's one that I can't speak on telling you what the right or wrong thing is, because it's not my call. And you have to know for yourself. But it's such a dangerous one, because a lot of the time, unfortunately, abusive churches will not change. They will sometimes, but a lot of the times, it's too much for one person to try to champion themselves. If it's ever going to be a possibility, right? Yeah. The, the thing that I say in my book is that realistically for you to have an ability to help promote change, you're going to have to probably be in a pretty high level right. of leadership in the church to have that kind of an influence Yeah. or maybe a high level of money to sway right. them. <laughs> That's true. Right? Yeah. I mean, realistically, realistically yeah. if you threaten to pull out your money and you're, you're a significant giver, that might get them to listen. But, That's really but true. This, if you're just the common church attender, the odds of you making any change or helping to promote change are pretty low. Yeah. Okay, I have a couple more questions for you. Uh, the first one kind of goes with these ideas. And after all these are said and done, what would you say to somebody who is in a toxic faith community or environment, but is finding themselves hesitant or unwilling to leave due to one or more of these 12 reasons? Yeah. So if you can't, if you can't convince them to leave, I would probably say, okay, I'm not asking you to leave, leave the church, but would you be willing to take a break? Would you be willing Hmm. to take a break for a month or two months or, you know, as long as you can negotiate the longer, the better. Yeah. And just step away and see what happens. See what happens inside of you. Like, how do you feel it, how are things different when you leave the church? What, what is your life like? Or you can also observe how, do, how are you treated 
by people when you don't right. show up. You know, yeah. when you when you say, "I'm just going to take uh, some time away from the worship team," or "I'm not going to," I'm not going to set up like I use. You know, I'm not going to be on this service team or whatever. I'm just going to take a break. Yeah. Just observe how people treat you when you don't volunteer or give or whatever it is that you were doing. See, see how they respond. Is it healthy? Is it positive? Is it like, oh, hey, that's great. I think, you know, that that's really wise. Or is are they going to come across real controlling and manipulative to get you back into the church and doing what you were doing before? Yeah. So I, I think that's that can be a very helpful way to not, I'm not saying I'm leaving, you know, I'm not walking right. away from the church. I'm just taking a break. Yeah. And that's so, it's like a trial run. Yeah. Or, or experiment even. And it's so interesting because I, I love the chapters that you talked about this, which you talk quite extensively about is that the freedom you're, you're kind of granting the reader an allowance to take a break. You're saying, no, it's okay. Because yeah. taking a break is such a taboo in many abusive churches and many regular churches. Even it's kind of sometimes a taboo is taking a break, but in, especially in, in abusive legalistic environments, it's you're stepping back from church. What are you doing? And even from my experience, once I decided to leave and I, I moved, but, and then I'm asked by people, well, how are you, how are you doing? I said, Oh, I left my church. Oh, great. Well, where are you going now? Immediately. It's like, well, right. I'm dealing with some stuff, but it's goes into some of the reasons why you wouldn't leave it. It's that self doubt. It's, can you do this on your own or as well as the truth that churches is an important part of a believer's life. Right. Which is a truth I believe right. in. Yeah, I mean, truth. Yeah. The lie is always very close to the truth, and the, and the truth is, yeah. the truth, God gave us give gave us the church for a reason. So the church is a good thing. We don't want to abandon the church, but yeah. if you've been if you've been hurt, if you've been abused, I mean, you need to take time away. That's that's what we do in life, right? I mean, if you yeah. have a physical ailment, you don't keep going back to work. You go to right. the hospital and take time off, and you re rehabilitate, and then you go back to work. Right. And it's the same way in church. If there's something wrong in your church experience, it's a, I think it's wise to take time away to get that sorted out, figure out what's going on, and, and decide whether or not that church is the right church for you. Yeah. And that makes me think about a big reason why in my, in my church, and a lot of churches, a lot of unhealthy churches, I would say, when COVID happened and they were forced to not meet together, mm -hmm. at least in, from my church, I witnessed and a lot of others, it's, oh, a lot of people got a chance to almost forcefully try that experiment out about taking a step right. back. Cause when you're stuck yeah. in it, you're, it's very easy to distract yourself from confronting those issues because you're have to meet on Sundays and Wednesdays and have Bible talks and Bible studies. And you're able to get in the rhythm without having to confront the things that are nagging at you. But mm -hmm. when you're forced to it's, Oh, okay. I'm actually, the world didn't fall apart and I'm actually seeing God clearer. Interestingly enough, I'm not dealing with these, right these insecurities and, and these, these pressures and weights and this abuse that they, you know, define it as it's like, Oh, maybe I won't go back. That's what happened in a lot of cases. It's interesting. Yeah, okay. Uh, another question here, similar, but maybe, maybe a slightly different perspective here. If you could say one thing to someone who has experienced or is currently experiencing a toxic faith or church culture, what would it be? Yeah, I mean that's hard. I mean that's that's why I wrote a book because yeah, right. <laughs> a lot of things, right? Yeah, um, but maybe I mean maybe to be uh, kind of spiritual about this, I would say to sit down and just stare at the cross until and, and just meditate on the fact of what Jesus did for you. 
Yeah. Because like I said, like we started out saying, what is toxic faith? Toxic faith is all about performing for God to, to find his pleasure. Yeah. And I think we just have to be convinced that Jesus did that for us. Jesus performed for God so that we might find his pleasures. So that's why in Hebrews, it says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Yeah. And so I think that's just something that people have to wrestle to the floor, that understanding that there's nothing I can do to make God accept me. Jesus has yes. done it. And so I should live my life out of gratitude for what has been done, not, not out of the servitude in hopes that I'll be accepted. That is the belief that will give you the discernment to know whether you're in a spiritually abusive environment or not. In the book, you said you shared some advice given by, you said, a fellow minister. His name is Wade Burleson or Burleson. And I, I love what this kind of one liner was. It says, or he said that the number one thing to look for in a faith community is if the message emphasized is God's love for sinners or a sinner's need to show their love for God through their commitment. And that. I mean, that's quite literally it. That is the, in my mind, one of, if not the biggest, easiest to discern factor, um, determining factor in the way a church approaches the Bible, the message of the good news, right? And a believer's relational dynamic to God and vice versa. It's are we here just to tell people how much God loves them and how well taken care of they are and how free they are and forgiven? Or are we in a place trying to promote a workspace faith that will benefit that church also in a believer's commitment to giving of themselves, usually overly giving of themselves to try to earn God's favor? And I, I just love you shared that. And that's such a true statement. All right, Remy, final question here to wrap it all up. A question I ask every guest on this podcast. This podcast and my book are all about our crumpled papers, which is the ideas or beliefs that we may have at one time believed with full certainty, but at some point realized we needed to reevaluate our perspective on. So my question to you is, what is one or a few of the biggest or most important crumpled papers of your own that you've had to unlearn or gain a new understanding of? Well, related to a lot of what we've talked about, I was one of those people that when I came into church, I was very performance oriented. Mm -hmm. And so a toxic environment to me, and, and you made reference to this earlier, is, is a place where I can achieve and I can get accolades. I can get patted on the back. Right. So I didn't necessarily see it as, you know, what, what one person might see as toxic. I thought, no, they're just challenging me to, to be my best and right. I'm going to prove I am the best. Yeah. And so I remember one time in uh, probably about five years into my faith, you're too young for this, but there was a guy back then, a singer by the name of Keith Green, okay. and he was very popular and he was very kind of what I would say prophetic, meaning he was very challenging in all of his songs. And I just thought he was great because I, yeah. I just loved to be challenged. And I was talking to a, a young lady once about him and just saying how much I liked him. She said, well, actually, I don't. And she was the first person who I'd ever heard that didn't like him. And I was just kind of shocked by that. I said, well, how, how can you not like him? She goes, 
I just find when I listen to his lyrics, I feel condemned. Hmm. And that really confused me. I didn't, I, I thought she was wrong. I couldn't relate to what she was saying, but it stuck in my mind. And in years to come, I went, you know what? I get it now. I totally get what she was saying because he did come across that way. In fact, I came across that way. That's, that's Hmm. the way I spoke. You know, I was, in my mind, I was challenging people, but I think what people heard was, if you don't do what Remy says, he, he doesn't think you're a very good Christian. Yeah. And so I've just had to, so through the years, grace has really blossomed in my life. And I think that's why I said about the writing of my book, I wrote it with a lot of compassion and grace because I knew how easily people are triggered. But yeah. that is definitely some paper that I had to crumple up and throw away because I, I realized it just wasn't what the good news is all about that's huge that's the through line of the entire podcast is humanistically that's our tendency is our that's our default is to performance it's a performance-based mentality because we work for what we think we need to or to earn right and we can't earn this this is something that's too good to be earned and that's kind of the beauty of it is we can't yeah um but acknowledging that is the only way we can actually experience the freedom that comes with that we have to acknowledge that and live by that or else we're just going to be working for something that we already have in a way. Right. Yeah. Remy, that's all I got for you. Thank you so much for being on. This was, I love the conversation. I love the, yeah. the outline you give us here for acknowledging, discerning these reasons, because it's a big thing for many people who already know they shouldn't be in a certain church, but may not have specifically discerned what's keeping them there. So this might help a lot of people objectively be able to make a decision for themselves of what is the best now that they know the obstacles that may be in their way, which is huge. I hope so. That, you know, sometimes when you can name something, it's like, Oh, you're right. That's, that's what I'm doing. Right. And I can see, I can see that that's what I'm doing and I know that's wrong. So I'm going to stop doing it. I mean, I've often compared it to, I think we've all known people who are been in an, an abusive relationship and we go, how, what are they thinking? Why are they in that? And they're, they're in it for the many of the same reasons that we talked about today. Right. But if you look at that from a, as a, as an objective outside of observer, it's obviously wrong. It's like, right. get out of there. And I think maybe being able to name some of these, these things will make it more objective. So people can go, Oh, that's right. It's, it's clear to me now what I need to do. I need to leave. Absolutely. Fantastic conversation. Remy, I, okay. First off, the book in this conversation was called Broken Trust. Yes. And then you have several different books. And they do they all, a majority of them, I think, deal with spiritual abuse and different tenets of the brokenness and the wounds that can fall under that. But there's a couple different that branch out as well, but all in that category of healing from things that we've been through, essentially. Yeah. One of the, one of the, the other books is called Healing the Hurts of Your Past. And I would say mm-hmm. all of my books kind of fall under that umbrella of Healing the hurts of the past. And I would add with God's help. So it's all written Mm. from a Christian biblical perspective. I love that. Super, super cool. So guys, go check out all his books. I'll link, I'll link something to one of his books, at least down below. And I'll link your website down below as well. Where can they find you? Is that the best place, your website? Yeah. Reading Remy, is my website and I've got everything there. I also have a YouTube channel where I've got, I don't know, like 65, 70 uh, video, short videos. And then on Amazon is where I have all my books. Great. Okay. Guys, this was a conversation with Remy Diedrich, author of Broken Trust and many other books. Remy, thank you for coming on. It was a great conversation. Great to meet you, Austin.
Guys, that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. We'll be back next week for episode five of season two on December 26th, the day after Christmas and right between Christmas and New Year's. So eat your food, eat your candy, get in that food coma and then sit down the next day, relax and listen to episode five. I will see you then. But until then, peace out. Thanks for hanging with us on this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast. The episode may be over, but the conversation's just getting started. If you have any questions or comments, or just want to say hi, send us an email at crumpledpaperspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And make sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things Crumpled Papers. All links are in the description. This is Austin, and I'll see you next time on the Crumpled Papers podcast.